Welcome in to a brand new episode of Bottom Line Baseball. I'm Alex Hughes. There's Jackson Ryan. Oh man, Jackson. Happy Easter, first off. Um, and these are my favorite days of the year because this is really one of the only holidays we get in our year that we get to enjoy a holiday and watch baseball at the same time. No, yeah, for sure. First off, happy Easter to everybody out there. Uh, great day of baseball coming up as the first game will be the Yankees and Blue Jays. You know, that series is both one and one, but excited to get into this new episode of Bottom Line Baseball. Hey, do we want to talk about this Yankee team first? This Yankee Blue Jays series has really shown, by the way, Blue Jays, Marcus Simeon came up huge in the first game. Uh, great defense, great uh, big hits as well. I really like this pickup by the Blue Jays to get Simeon in that top of the lineup for Toronto. No, I do too. He brings in a veteran presence from Oakland. And, you know, Oakland had been fighting for playoff spots in the past couple of years. And so he brings in a veteran guy just like George Springer, who George hasn't right. played yet. But really the thing with the Blue Jays is their relief pitching. Delise has been really, really good so far. And, you know, when they had the runner on second in that first game in the top of the 10th, they drove in that key run to get them that opening day win against New York. And so they've looked really good. Kevin Biggio's kind of, you know, not got his stride yet. But once they hit stride, they're going to be really good offensively. Jackson, you brought up the rule. Runner on second base starting the extra innings. I am not a fan. Okay, and I think we've talked about this before. I didn't know that this was still a rule. Um, and I tweeted out, I said, it makes no sense to me how starting the runner on second base in extra innings was a no-brainer and the universal DH was not. Um, it just doesn't make sense to me. I, I think it's Little League, and players are speaking out about it. Uh, longtime fans are also speaking out about it. And I will die on the hill that... Baseball needs to start improving the game and keeping the game the same way to appease and make baseball fans happy, right? Like, why do we keep changing baseball for the non-fans of the game? Um, it, it's just really upsetting, and it's upsetting fans that have been fans for their lives. Anyways, that's my rant about the runner on second base. Yeah, I'll uh, take a disagreement with you on this one. I Back in 2019, we had it in AAA, and it brings in a lot of strategy to me for a game and with a manager. I think it's interesting to see if the team's going to bunt, if they're going to try to bunt twice or get the runner over, or if they're going to play for a big inning. And so I've kind of really liked the rule, actually. So, you know, I think it's more strategy to me because I find it interesting to see the chess pieces managers are going to play in that situation. You know, that's the other argument I've been hearing, and I'm okay with that, obviously. And uh, I, I think the the thing that would make me like the rule a little bit more, if it didn't start right in the 10th, like maybe put it off until like the 12th or the 13th, and then that's when you get the game sped up. Because the whole idea of extra innings, it's, you know, a tied game. And especially most tied games that are going into the 10th inning are really entertaining games. And it's that kind of battle, right? Well, when you start a runner on second base, there is no battle anymore, in my opinion. It's kind of whoever scores first wins. And sometimes that's not really the case in extra inning games. So I think that's where it kind of loses me. If it started maybe in the 13th or 14th inning, maybe the 12th, I would be a fan. 
Well, I'll just say this. I find it more interesting, like I said earlier, from a strategy standpoint, because with that visiting team, are they going to play for one run or are they going to play for multiple runs? Because they have a dominant closer on the hill, you know, like a Trevor, Trevor Hoffman back in the day or like a Mariano Rivera, you know, even though it wasn't in play back then, you know, you'd play for that one run. But if you don't score, then that home team has so much of an advantage. So I find it interesting in that sense of the way. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. That's that's a good point. Uh, how have the Yankees looked to you? Um, this is a team that uh, has dealt with injuries coming into the season. Zach Britton in their back of the bullpen. Aroldis Chapman coming off as two-game suspension. Um, and also Luis Severino, as we know, not in their rotation. Um, this is a Yankee team, Luke Voigt, uh, out of the lineup, um, and a few other pieces that are down and hurt. So Jay Bruce has to step up and play first and move other pieces around in the bullpen. Chad Green was acting as their closer in these first two games. How have the Yankees looked overall to you? Is this a team that can really challenge the favorites, I guess, in the Dodgers? I think the Yankees have looked fine to me. Like, you know, you go in that first 10 games of the season, if you're 500 or four and six or better, then you're going to be fine. I think too many fans get, you know, oh, our team's going to be unbelievable. We win opening day thinking they're going to go 162 and zero. And then if you lose opening day, you're like, oh, no, we're going to be 0 and 162. So to me, the Yankees are a 90 to 100 win ball club this year once they get everybody healthy. And I think they're going to win their division. And so I wouldn't get too high or too low after two games. They've been both really close. I think it was 3-2 and 5-3 to for both of them. But the Blue Jays are also very talented offensively. And so they've done a nice job limiting him three runs a game. So we talked about the Yankees and Blue Jays series, Jackson. Let's stay in the American League East. The Red Sox, Orioles are playing. Red Sox fans are already not so happy. They're 0-2 to start the season. And Red Sox fans are already freaking out uh, about this Red Sox team. And as Tom Curran said um, of Nesson, he says, look, guys, this is a team that we're only two games into the season. And the Orioles pitching has a good, but uh, Red Sox fans, should they be worried about this offense? I know I said this earlier about the Yankees, but I I personally would be when you're not scoring against Baltimore. Baltimore's on the up and come. Obviously, they have a bunch of talent in their minor league system, but I don't personally believe they're in a situation to win now and to make the playoffs. And so if the Red Sox want to make a run, they need to beat teams in their division, you know, that are not as good as them. And so, yes, it's only two games and, you know, it really doesn't doesn't affect you a whole lot but you still would like to win some against lesser teams. And I think that's almost the same case with the Tampa Bay Rays and Miami Marlins, right? The Marlins have been sneaky good to start the season, in my opinion. I think this Marlins team wasn't just a 2020 fluke. Uh, They have some great young talent on that team, and we're seeing them come through right now. And, And I think Tampa is going to be one of those teams like they always seem to be, Jackson, is that they're just a tough team to beat. Uh, They never seem to go down. And I I think that just that Marlins team, you know, they're one and two. So I I think the Marlins aren't the Marlins anymore. Like the Marlins are going to be here and and to be like a a tough team to beat. Yeah, I do. I believe that too. They've uh, 
lost a tough one opening day, one to nothing, only giving up a solo home run to Austin Meadows, who's gone off in this series so far, having two homers. And so, you know, that was a tough way to lose opening day, but their starting pitching is really young and it's really good. Um, and that's what they're going to build around. And they're going to get more guys, I believe, like the Adam Duvalls that can help them in their offense to gain even an extra edge. And they're just in such a tough division that they need to win as many games early as they can so that their fans stay behind them and they're not getting in, you know, third place at 500 through the middle of the year. So anytime they can win series or split series, that's going to be big for a young Miami Marlins team who's on the up and come. And I really believe they're going to be really good, and especially a year or two from now. All right, Jackson. I don't want to get in my head of, head of myself here, but you were talking about how Meadows won off this series against the Marlins. I can one-up you there. Mercedes went off in this White Sox-Angels series. He, he went eight for eight to start it this season. Um, and after he flew out to center last night, he went up to, or when he got back to the dugout, did you see this? Where Antonio yeah. La Russa went up to shake his hand. It's not every day, Jackson, that the manager comes up to shake your hand after you make an out. But for Mercedes to start the 2021 season, eight for eight? Come on. It's yeah, that's, re that's really impressive to go eight for eight. But the White Sox, too, you know, they had a great game, too, winning 12 to eight against Anaheim. But they just seem to get in the later innings so far and just can't find a way to close the deal. Only been three games. And, you know, last night, Justin up and hits a big two run homer to take the lead, you know, back before that, you know, Walsh hits a three a triple down the line scoring Anthony Rendon. And so for an angels team that wants to turn the corner, this is big for them to win, you know, at least split a series against Chicago, if not win one, if they were to win today. Angel fans definitely excited about the prospect of this team. I think the only concern that I have with this team is the back end of the bullpen. It's a completely new bullpen in Anaheim, and, and we saw it a little bit kind of unravel in game two of the season. With that being said, the back end of the bullpen did a phenomenal job last night to close out the game, to get that big win, and without their closer last night. So I think um, that, that kind of built back the confidence. It's only three games in, but for the Angels to possibly split or even win the series tonight, ESPN Baseball Tonight has the White Sox-Angels game tonight. It is an exciting time. This is a White Sox team, Jackson, that a lot of people are talking about, a lot of hype around. And I tweeted last night, and I don't know what your opinion is. I forget what teams you picked to win the division um, in the West. But I said this Angels-White Sox series that we're seeing right now, it could be a preview to what's to come in the American League Division Series to start the postseason. We'll see how the Angels pitching goes over the year to see if that can be the case. I still believe the White Sox are going to be really good, and I believe they will win that division over Minnesota this upcoming year. Um, but for the Angels tonight, too, kind of going back to them, Shohei Otani going to hit and pitch tonight, so that's a big deal, not having a DH in an American League game. And also having Fletcher sign, you know, a five-year extension, you know, it's a bigger deal to have that second baseman there, you know, and solidify your infield a little bit, you know, with Jose Iglesias only being there possibly for one year, who's made some great defensive plays already for the Angels. So, you know, for them, they just need to keep building on the momentum. They got a big series against the Astros coming up next. And, you know, if they can even split that series and head into Kansas City after that, 500 or better, that'd be a good start to the season. 
in baseball, as you well know almost better than anyone, if you have one great player in baseball, that doesn't guarantee either the team is good or win a championship. However, in this case, in this case only, if Shohei Otani can't perform what, why the Angels wanted him like he can this year, perform great on the mound and in the lineup, I think him can really push this Angels team ahead, right? I think his success is going to only benefit the Angels' success even more. And I think that's this Otani's almost like the X factor, whether or not kind of how well the Angels perform this year. So I, I think tonight is going to be a really big test to see, okay, what's Otani look like on the mound and in the lineup? And it can really, again, it's only one game. It's a first start for Otani um, of the season, but still don't want to get ahead of ourselves here. But still, a lot can happen. And if Otani can pitch well and also hit in the lineup the same night, Angel fans have a lot to be excited about. No, they do for sure. Um, let's get into, let's see, anything else in the Amer- uh, Kansas City. Um, it was fun. I was listening to John and Susan call the Yankee game yesterday. And Susan said on opening day after the Yankee game, she went home. She lives about 40 minutes away from Yankee Stadium. Let the dogs out. And the Rangers and Kansas City game was still on. They started just 30 minutes later than the Yankee game. So Susan was able to get home after the Yankee game, let her dogs out, and the game was still going. Um, I I think that was a crazy game. I don't know how much you watch of that game. uh, But uh, the first inning, I mean, the Rangers put a five spot on the Royals in the top of the first. And the Royals combated that and put five of their own runs up in the bottom of the first. So a back-and-forth battle offensively for sure. Uh, what do you make of this Rangers and Royals 2021 teams? I make it out of it that the, the Royals have a good offense, a potent offense. Um, Andrew Benatini is going to help them. Carlos Santana is going to help them. Michael A. Taylor has done really well so far, having a couple homers. And so, you know, Salvador Perez will be the veteran behind the plate. But they've got – the Royals want to go far this year and make the playoffs. They need better starting pitching, in my opinion. You know, only game one, but when you're giving up five in the first inning, that's tough. And, you know, offenses are going to be there every night for you, you know, scoring 14 – you know, 11 runs in the first two games. So, you know, if they can find that good starting pitching, I know they got Singer going tonight, I believe, Brady Singer, so or today. So that would be good for them. And I make out of it as Texas is in a rebuild situation. Maybe they'll find some guys that on the offense that can help them gain an edge for the upcoming years with the Leody Tavares's, um, Jose Trevino, um, their catcher Trevino, I believe. And so, you know, I find it as very interesting series, but Kansas City's taking care of business, and at the end of the day, it went to win. And then in on the other side of the AL Central, um, yeah, let's go to Central, or, or let's go back to the West. Astros, A's, Astros 3-0. And this is the first time, Jackson, that the A's have started 0-3 in a very long time. Um, I mean, I think the Astros have just been playing hot. It almost seems like the more you boo the Astros, the better they do. 
um, as what the A's, and it was funny in, in the game one, right? This is the first time that the Astros have played in front of fans after everything that happened about over a year ago. But what was funny that I find funny anyways, is that the A's fans were booing the Astros to start the game of game one and to end the game the fans were booing the a's after a poor performance so not exactly how things went for the a's fans um and alex bregman and jose altuve the more boos that they heard the more they got fired up and they're playing with a chip on their shoulder this year so i think fans better watch out just how much they boo this astros team well, Jose Altuve and Alex Bregman have been both really good for years. You know, Jose Altuve, when he's on, he's on. And he's one of the best hitters in baseball. You can throw it anywhere and he'll hit it, kind of like a Vlad Guerrero type back in the day where he hits the ball anywhere you throw it. With Alex Bregman, he's so, you know, confident inside himself and may come out as cockiness to other people, but he's so confident in what he does and his abilities that you know he's going to have good games and you know he's going to do well and you know you don't even talk about Carlos Correa yet you know and he's been he's going to be steady and really want to do well this year to get a big contract because he declined that six-year 120 to 150 million dollar contract that they offered him and I believe he will go into free agency after this year but you know the Astros if they get good starting pitching then they're going to be really good and they're going to be a force to reckon with in the ALS. Let's go into the National League. The Padres are 3-0, and this is the first time they've gone 3-0 since 1996, I believe. Um, So this is an exciting Padres team, right? And I think, um, man, maybe this is going to be more of a battle than we expect between the Padres and Dodgers. Well, the Padres, to me, are going to be really, really good. If their starting rotation does well with Hugh Darvish, Blake Snell, Joe Musgrove, you name it, down the line, they're going to be really good and really a force to reckon with. For the Dodgers, I'm not really too concerned right now. You know, they are doing fine. I think they're 2-1 and one against Colorado or 1-1. One and one. You know, lost opening day with Kershaw, you know, giving up some runs in Colorado. The ball flies there. Um, Trevor Bauer, really, really good in his first start, almost had a no-hitter, you know, ended up his stat line wasn't as good as what he had thrown. And so, you know, they're going to be a force to reckon with too. But whoever is in the NL, you want to be at CC because you're, the one seed's going to play the, either the Padres or the Dodgers in the first round of the playoffs. And I don't think that's a lot of fun if you want to play one of those two teams looking on down the line. Exactly. And I think that – the most disappointing thing about these we're on day four of the major league baseball 2021 season now jackson the one thing that's been the biggest disappointment is we haven't been able to see francisco lindor play a game in a mad's uniform yet in a regular season game unfortunately uh due to the nationals uh with covid implications unable um to get this series in the series postponed but we will see the Mets uh, open up the season on Monday. I, I think this is going to be a Mets team that is definitely a lot of people are going to be talking about with Lindor being there. But a full year of Marcus Stroman, Edwin Diaz in the back end of the bullpen, really exciting piece there. I think the Mets team, too, um, not getting too much talks right now just because of them not being able to play, but I think they're going to make their name in the mix here soon once they're able to get the ball rolling on their end of the field. No, I agree with you. I just think that the Mets really need to 
start off well this season because if they don't, then Mets fans are going to think, here we go again. You know, the Mets have had that starting pitching for so long that has been really good, and you feel like they're – you just don't want to waste the opportunity with those guys because you don't know how much longer and how much dominant they're going to be for too much longer. So, with the Mets, I feel like if they can split with Philly coming up or if they win a series and get themselves rolling – in the right direction, that will be good for them. You know, for the Nationals, that was tough to see them have a COVID outbreak already before the season started because everybody was looking forward to DeGrom versus Scherzer, you know, and I was looking forward to seeing a one nothing, you know, two-to-one ball game for sure. So, you know, once Washington gets on track, they'll be, they'll be good to have their season going on, and we'll see how good they are coming up this year. And then the Braves, as we're recording right now, 0-2 to start the season. And I think the biggest news out of Atlanta was that Major League Baseball um, is taking the All-Star game out of Atlanta. There's still no word on where it is going to be played. There is some word that they will be – that Milwaukee is in the mix. Um, I, I don't know where. Um, do you have any predictions – of where they might choose the next all-star location to be? No, but I think they should probably do it in a – I imagine it would be somewhere that has a roof connected with it. Um, you know, I could be wrong just for festivity purposes. And, you know, you look at Houston or Texas or Miami, you know, as places that could possibly do it. I, I don't know exactly where they would go with that, though, for sure. There has been a, a case, I remember, a few years ago, right? The All-Star game, there was rain, and they only got like five innings in or something like that? Yeah, so that's that's the point I have with maybe going with a, you know, a place that's, you know, you want to think about somewhere that's more open to a state that's more open than others um, with different scenarios going on because the All-Star game is a big deal. And, you know, I see it from the MLB side, you know, you want to be – you know, aware of what's going on and you want to make the best decision for your organization, but it also stinks for the Atlanta Braves as well. Cause you put in all that work to get an all-star game. It's a great honor. And then it's something, you know, out of your control that you didn't do, you know, from Atlanta Braves staff, you know, that you don't and get the all fans and the fans. So what are your thoughts though, too, Alex, as we go on with this? You know, you see both sides of it. Obviously, Major League Baseball um, had to do what they had to do. But it also, you know, if I'm a Braves fan and you wait, especially it's a, a beautiful field. I haven't been there, but I've heard great things about just that new ballpark. And if you're a Braves fan, you have to have that excitement about the All-Star game coming to your hometown. So it, I, I can see both sides of it. But, man, it just kind of – I would be bummed if I was a Braves fan and – I was looking forward to attending the All-Star game. Uh, but uh, this Braves team, I think, has some exciting pieces to it. That rotation, obviously, between Ian Anderson and the rest of the staff has that excitement. Uh, so this Braves team is going to be pretty good, but that division is going to be really, really tough, I think. Yeah, no, and Max Fried pitched a great game, you know, opening day. He can give up two runs. And so, you know, they've been really close ball games, And so you just don't want to lose too many games at the beginning of the year. But if they're 500 or, you know, they win the day and they're one and two with Ian Anderson throwing today and then you go into the next series, you're completely fine. But from the Braves fan perspective, don't get, you know, too worried, you know, that you're 0 and 2 to start the year because your team's going to be very, very good. I always think it's just two games or three games. And I'm sure um, unless you're, you know, the 20 18 Red Sox or the 2020 Dodgers 
a two-game losing streak is more likely So um, throughout the season. So it's just two games that you lose in a row. It's not a big deal, guys. Come on. Um, even three games in a row. Now, once you start thinking, okay, we're below 520 games in, now you're getting a little nervous, right? Because how, how important, I have always wondered this, uh, how important is the month of April to a, a playoff team? I think it's important in the sense of you want to be 500 or better. You know, if you're 500 or better, you're right there in the mix, right? But when you're really bad to start the year, it can really hurt you. I remember back in 16 when we were fighting for a playoff spot with the Astros, you know, we didn't have a great, you know, start to the season, I want to believe. And that ended up costing us a chance to be in the playoffs with that last series in Anaheim. So you just want to make sure you're, you know, in a positive direction and not losing too many games. But that's how I see it is going forward. And we'll see how this season unfolds. I completely agree. Um, any other final points that we want to touch on? No, I think we're good. Um, be interesting to see how these next series come into play with different teams going on. And we'll go from there. But at the end of the day, baseball's back, and that's what's most exciting. Oh, man, it's so great. Um, I'm really excited for baseball tonight. Tonight, Angels, White Sox, primetime, Tim Anderson. Uh, what a player he is. Um, I think that's a really exciting uh, guy and uh, to watch for tonight and man I'm really excited for tonight's game and Jose Abreu too went you know having a grand slam already under his under his belt and having a couple other hits just really good player but heard of White Sox tonight they need Dylan Cease to throw well and they need to they need to split this series because that that's you know they should most likely have won this series and for the Angels they continue to build on their momentum would be good for them well, um, we want to wish everyone a happy Easter and say a holiday. And this coming week, we will be interviewing Gene Watson, who is the senior advisor to the L.A. Angels GM. So we'll get Gene on the podcast uh, this week. Um, so exciting things happening for bottom line baseball. A lot of people um, have really voiced their excitement about this Angels team, but we'll hear it straight from Gene Watson about what he thinks about this exciting Angels team this week.